All right, we're back. Welcome into a week eight edition of Chargers Weekly. Joined by the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money Smith, Chris Harry here with you. And Money, listen, more good than bad through the first six weeks. Uh, Chargers stubbed their toe in Baltimore. I don't think we really talked about it since we didn't have a podcast last week. Right. But I don't know, man. How would you sum up the first six weeks as they get into New England week? Well, I think you'll take four and two. That's kind of the way I look at it. I think when you looked at the way that schedule, you know, laid out, you know, we knew what Dak and the Cowboys looked like before he got injured last year. You know, they traded punches with the Super Bowl champs in that opening week, you know, and just lost on Tom Brady's incredible heroics once again. So we knew they were a good team. Um, you know, it's a tough loss, just kind of the way that game played out. But I think you, you end up atoning for that by going into Arrowhead winning there. And then the fact that they knocked off the Raiders. So you go two and zero in division, you're four and two overall. Yeah. There's a little bit of a bad taste because of how poorly they played in Baltimore. And you just hope that one doesn't come back to bite them. Cause I would expect, I, I think Baltimore is, I'm not still not quite sure, but I think Baltimore is going to be there in the end. So, yeah. you know, just kind of thinking back to 2018 and, and how a tiebreaker completely changed the trajectory of their path to the Super Bowl. You hope that doesn't come into play. I keep going back to that that three-week stretch where you go to Arrowhead, you win, you, you beat the Raiders on Monday night, and then on a short week, you beat the Browns, who I think if they get healthy, they're going to be there in the end. Um, yeah. Especially with, with Chubb and Hunt. So to, so to get those three wins, and I don't know, man, but we're, we're so close to it. Maybe we should have saw it coming a little bit, right? You, you know, you had a short week, you, you score 47 points against the Browns, uh, uh, you got to turn around, play 10 a.m., uh, a 10 a.m. game, I guess, on uh, on the West Coast, going west to east. And I, I think the way that that game played out, I mean, there were a couple plays early in that game. Had, had Justin connected with Mike, all it takes is a play or two to kind of <clears throat> change the trajectory of a game. I mean, we, we saw basically the following week, the Bengals, you know, that was a close game until it wasn't, until Jamar Chase had that that ridiculous touchdown. And then yeah. the, the floodgates opened for Cincy, and, and Baltimore was on the receiving end of a, of a blowout loss. Yeah, it was a weird game. And, and, you know, look, I think that's probably why I sort of stuttered a little bit when talking about whether or not the Ravens are going to be there. Just I look at that secondary, and I, I was really surprised that the Chargers weren't able to take advantage of it. I mean, you're talking about Joe Burrow, uh, Derek Carr, and Carson Wentz each throwing for 400 yards against that secondary. And it looked like it was going to start out great. You know, I mean, I should say it looked like it was going to play out that way from the start. You know, Keenan Allen ends up attacking Averitt on that first drive. I know it stalled out at midfield, but that looked like that was going to be there all day. And it was just weird that they never went back to it. You know, it was, it was an odd game, you know, and, and look, I'm not one to question, you know, what the calls are, who's making decisions and why they are, but it just seemed odd that on critical downs, you know, Keenan's not getting targeted. Mike Williams wasn't getting targeted. It was like Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer. And it, it was just a strange game, the way it played out. I thought I thought the Chargers offense left quite a bit out there. Um, and, and Herbert was off. You know, his passes were off the mark. It was just, it happens. It, just like it the happens. track meet against the Browns. You know, those things happen. But you hope that it's an anomaly. I have no reason to believe it's not. The one thing that I think is a bit of a concern is that run D, you know, especially after seeing what the, the the Bengals defense was able to do against those running backs that looked like they were three steps slow in the Charger game, yet still were gashing that defense for eight, nine yards of carry. Um, and then completely shut down by the Bengals. I mean, Lev Bell, Latavius Murray did absolutely nothing in that game. So that's, you know, I think that's my big thing coming out of the bye. Um, and the, the, like, I think the legitimate concern beyond, hey, it's kind of surprising. It was an outlier. Well, the, you know, with Justin Jones return, with Drew Tranquil's return, with Nas Adderley's return, just right up the middle of that defense. You know, that's that's what's got to come out of this bye week is they have got to be better in the middle of that defense. And that's how I think getting bodies back, like you said, right? you know, you get Justin Jones back. That's going to help your run D and. You know, you can you can get away with maybe not having Murray or Tranquil on the field, not having both. You right. know, it definitely you're exposed a bit. Uh, if they can get back to that run defense, uh, Monday Night Football, where they allowed 48 yards to the Raiders, and right. I know the, I know they were thrown all around the yard, but uh, I, I I appreciate the, the the tweaks too made to special teams, um, recognizing that you don't want this to be something that bites you later in the year, right? You know, with field position, you get a guy in Andre Roberts who was just, he was in Houston and, and they weren't going anywhere. He's been a pro bowler each of the last three years. And then you bring in Dustin Hopkins, who frankly, 
he had a tough start to the year. He was kicking pretty good for Washington. And then they cut him after a loss and it really wasn't necessarily on him. I mean, this is a guy who has a proven track record in the league and, you know, I, I wish Tristan all the best. He's a great dude. And, and it just, it wasn't working out. And it's, it's tough when you miss five extra points in the first six weeks of a season, yeah. it's kind of tough to overcome that. So making these subtle tweaks money on special teams, knowing that that third phase starting against new England is going to be so critical moving forward. I think that was a good move. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, and, and even, you know, I know the, the extra point misses and the field goal misses are certainly more obvious, but to me, the re- return game had to get something. Um, yeah. Just the the lack of speed, uh, the lack of explosive plays, uh, I think was crushing the Chargers. I, I really do. I, every time, you know, one of those, you know, whether it was Roundtree or whomever it might have been, brought a ball out of the end zone, I was just like, this just isn't going to end well. It's not. You know, they are not going to get to the 25. And you can see it. There's just no juice, you know, in, in those returns. And Robert's got juice. You know, and that's just, that's what you need, you know, and look, Adderley had juice. We saw it last year, you know, when coach Lynn put him back there, just the difference in the return game from what they had prior to, to what it looked like with Adderley. And you talk about special teams coverage and, and blocking and, and that, but it was clear, you know, last year it was clear. Okay. Yeah. It was the returner. And, and I got no problem with them going out and getting a guy that's done it at a very high level and seeing if, you know, that can be the panacea to, to that particular facet of the game. In terms of Hopkins, you know, they said all the right things. And look, they gave Tristan an extra week. You know, I, I thought maybe he was going to, they were going to move on, you know, after the Browns game, especially considering what could have happened after that extra point miss and, and being down one late. Um, but they gave him an extra try. You know, they gave him an extra a chance. And, and unfortunately, he, he came up short again. So, what that signals to me is this is a front office and an organization that believes they have what it takes to make the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And they cannot be patient with developing young players right now on the field. I'm sure they'll try to sign them back to the practice squad. They may have already by the time this posts um, and continue to develop him because he's got a strong leg. And we've seen, you know, with Chase McLaughlin and Young Way Koo, the, the, you know, the kickers of Chargers past that have gone on to have great success. I'm sure they would like to keep Tristan around and hopefully develop him. Um, and I can't imagine he won't clear waivers. But yeah. I, I like, you know, like I said, to me, the biggest thing that comes out of that is we appreciate developing young talent. We just can't do it this year, not with all this talent and and a four and two start to the season. He hadn't lost you a game yet, and you didn't want that to happen coming yeah. out of the bye. So I, I agree. I think it's important to get a venter kicker in here. And, um, you know, Hopkins could could hit the ground running. You know, he, I think he's almost 92% on extra points. That's a, yeah. that's a good start. And, and then, you know, from 45 in, he's pretty good. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that special teams get in action against a new England Patriots team money. Huh. And you called it last year. Um, it, it, this is a, this is a team I think that should have the full attention uh, of the chargers. I, I think they're an ascending team right now. I know it was the the New York jets and I know their three wins have come against really bad teams, but they could easily beat Dallas. They could easily beat Tampa. The quarterback's playing better and they got their running game going. I, I think Bolden and, and, uh, and Harris um, a combined 192 total yards so, you know, that running game you mentioned, they're going to be tested against Harris and yeah. company come Sunday. Harris has been good. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to see what we saw against the Chiefs. And, and that is an aggressive because, look, Harris has had some fumble problems. I'm trying to get a look at it now. Yeah, he's lost two fumbles already. So, you know, get after it. Get after that ball. Ball security has been an issue, but he's been running effectively. Four and a half yards per carry. He's got nearly 500 rushing yards. He's got a long of 35. And that's what they're going to do. You know, they're going to run Harris and, and you know, you know how Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels like to do this. They exploit weak. I mean, like every team does that, but they do it better than almost everybody else. They yeah. find weakness and they exploit weakness. And we saw that last year. And I'll be honest, like, man, I'm hoping that I think they, they found something in the punt game. They just did. And, you know, I've never seen anything like it. And I think it, it flustered the, the coaches. I think it flustered Ty. And man, it was ugly. And I'm hoping that that isn't because it's, you know, Matt Overton's there now. So you got a different long snapper. But I, I, I'm hoping that that doesn't show up again, because I, I feel like, you know, Ty's come a little bit close to getting a couple of those blocked. 
And that's why the Patriots won the Texans game. You know, now granted the Texans did a lot to, you know, put themselves in harm's way with that ridiculous play that made absolutely no sense, but that, you know, they, they should have two losses instead of three. I should, I should say they should have two wins instead of three were it not for that block punt. That was the difference in that game against Houston. So, you know, that's stopping Damian Harris and Mac Jones has been really good. He's been the best rookie quarterback, you know, and he just oh, yeah, takes what far. he takes what you give him. And that means I think we're going to see because of the way that Brandon Staley's, you know, elected to play defense this year. He's going to have a lot of completions. There's going to be a lot of underneath stuff. Um, it's going to look a lot like the Chiefs game where they're going to, you know, force you to complete five and six yard passes and have 12 and 14 play drives and hopefully bow up in the red zone when the field shrinks. And now those aren't available to you and you have no answers and you trade touchdowns for field goals if you're the Chargers. So um, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I do. I think this is going to be a, a competitive game against a, a worthy and, and stout opponent that, that has some talent in some of the weakness spots of the Chargers right now. Staley was asked if he was going to remind players what happened last year. And he simply just said, I wasn't here. You know, I I wasn't here. It's a new team. It's a new year. If those guys want to get some motivation from it, then, you know, go for it. But uh, this is a different operation. And and I'm interested to see how this team responds coming off a bad loss with a week of preparation against a team that you know is going to be really prepared. Buddy, I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I was just kind of look, looking at the schedule and put some notes down this week. Brandon Staley, six of the seven coaches that he's shared the field with have either won a Super Bowl or have been to a Super Bowl. I mean, for a first-year head coach, though, I think that that's pretty cool for him to – to know that he's got to match wits against guys who have won Lombardi's. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just going through, I'm like, okay, you know, Rivera w- went to a Super Bowl, McCarthy won a Super Bowl. Uh, we know Andy Reid, we know, you know, Gruden, obviously, um, you know, Belichick's up next, Harbaugh. Right. So the fact that, you know, your first year head coach and, and you're matching wits with some of the best minds in the game, it, it's got to be a great kind of kickstart to your career, knowing that you can do it. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, I think we have discovered in the, the short time we've known him that he does not lack confidence. You know, he, he routinely all. and regularly says, and I'll continue to plug it, watch all in. It's awesome what, what the Chargers digital team led by Jason has done there. But you just see it, you know, and it's it's a it's a consistent message. You know, I don't care about the Patriots. I don't care about and it's an awesome stat, right? Six to seven. But I don't care about the other team. I care about the Chargers. You care about the Chargers. If we do what we think what our plan is and we execute it, we will win games. And it's a great message because you can get distracted knowing, all right, what's Belichick going to take away? Is he going to take away the tight ends? Is he going to double Keenan because he saw, you know, the struggles and trying to get on the same page as Palmer and Guyton last week. Like, what's he going to do? Cause you know, it's going to be something. And what he did last year was, you know, we had, if I remember right on the majority of snaps between six and seven guys at the line of scrimmage, every single snap. And Justin, you know, I think just it, he was his rookie year. It was, you know, whatever his 10th start. And it was just hard for him to get comfortable, you know, when of those seven and sometimes even eight guys, they're only rushing three and five are dropping back. Then they're rushing five and three are dropping back. You know, it's tough. And I would be, I think we saw a little bit of it in the Baltimore game where they just said, you know what, we're not even messing with Slater and Filer. We're overloading the other side of the line and we're just going to bring extra pressure and the slot corner is going to blitz from the other side and you're going to have to figure it out. And unfortunately, they just could never quite get that rhythm against Baltimore because they just chose to attack Sko and, and, and Norton and with, with extra bodies. And that was kind of their game plan and they stuck with it the whole game and it was effective the whole game. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's about the Chargers, right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever Bill Belichick throws at you, have a plan B, have a plan C, have a plan D, because it's going to be a, a long day. You know, I go back to Hunter Henry. Uh, he'll be back in L.A. for the first time after five seasons with the Chargers. I think he's he playing well. Touchdown in each of the last four weeks. Yeah. But but then I look at Jared Cook's numbers and Donald Parham's numbers. Those guys have more than made up for um, Hunter's absence. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy, very happy for Hunter and his success. But I, I look at, you know, what what Cook has been able to do in critical spots, uh, namely the, uh, the the Vegas game, he was just he he was awesome in, in that game. Parham, when he touches the football, he doesn't touch it much, but what he does, something good happens. Yeah. Um. So you know we we talk so much about Keenan and Mike and Austin, but uh, the Chargers tight ends, 
you know, Jared had the only touchdown of the game uh, in Baltimore. Uh, that combination, then you could add Steven Anderson, what he's been able to do, you know, almost as like a fullback and, and, and blocking. Um, that trio has been pretty good for the Chargers, kind of an underrated unit on the offense. Yeah, we, we asked Coach before the Baltimore game uh, in our interview, we said, you know, we spent all of training camp kicking around who the third receiver was going to be. Is it T. Billy? Is it Guyton? Is it the rookie Josh Palmer? And turns out we should have asked who the second tight end was going to be because that's kind of been the third wide receiver is it's, it's Parham. Um, or it's like you said, Steven Anderson. And I think that's sort of something that's developed for, for Joe Lombardi and, and for coach Staley is as opposed to it being that third receiver, they're running a lot of two tight ends, uh, a lot of 12 or even a lot of 22 at times when you have both Justin and, and Austin out there or, or Gabe and, and you have, you know, Steven Anderson acting as a fullback as well, um, who's, you know, just kind of setting up an offset eye and then leaking out of that backfield. And, and for, you know, he's got a couple big plays this season as well. So I think that's just something that's developed. Like you said, you know, they, they let Hunter go. And look, you don't have an unlimited amount of funds to, to spread across a team. And certainly when, you know, when Hunter got the deal, and I think a lot, I mean, look, again, you're worth whatever you get paid, but yeah. just kind of, you know, hearing about, you know, behind the scenes, sort of what the market was, a lot of people were surprised that New England offered that much, that, that maybe there was not anyone else out there. And I think it surprised the Chargers because I'm guessing they would have matched um, and, and maybe given him just a tiny bit more to keep. And we know that's what Tom likes to do. Tom Telesco, draft, develop and reward. Yeah. But when the number came in where it did, it just, you know, it, it made it, you know, an, an obstacle. And, and now I would love to see them, you know, maybe do something with it, you know, instead of just rolling it over to 2022, here we are doing this pod, you know, five days from the trade deadline and, you know, attrition has unfortunately shown up on the offensive line, uh, on the defensive line for five games with Justin Jones, you know, that's where this can come in handy is, you know, look, it takes two to dance, right? You need a team that's willing to trade and not have exorbitant demands on your draft capital. But, you know, that's kind of this, this is the position that you find yourself in when you let a Hutter Henry go and you've got 12 million bucks to play with where, where you can take on someone that, that perhaps can help, you know, on that path to the playoffs. You mentioned it, it takes two to get a deal done. Um, attitudes may change around the NFL come Monday, depending on what happens yeah. Sunday with certain teams. And, and maybe you are willing to, to get a deal done with, with somebody else. You know, I, I also, I think that they hit on cook having not, you know, he's not making Hunter Henry money and, and you're getting, you're getting the, the same production with him and Parham. So to your point, roll that over potentially in, into a yeah. position of need as you try to make a run in the AFC. Um, Monday, we got a great show today. Uh, ben Volan of the Boston Globe is going to join us to give this week's opposing view. Uh, we'll also be joined by Evan Washburn, who was on the sidelines last week, I think for Chiefs Titans, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, I'll ask him. But uh, okay. but Evan will be on the sidelines with uh, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis in the booth. Our favorites. I love I love that trio, man. Yep. They do great work. Big fan. Big so fan. We'll have Evan as well. And, guys, picks for Popeyes. Every Chargers game this season, when the Bolts defense gets an interception – Show your game recap email to your local Popeyes. Get a free chicken sandwich when you purchase a chicken sandwich at regular menu price. And this is a good segue into Kaiser White. How about him? <laughs> Two right. interceptions against the Ravens. He it's was like, that right. one guy that, like, you know, we mentioned not having Tranquil, not having Murray. He was doing his part to try to keep the Chargers in it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and by the way, you know, make sure you pay attention because Mac Jones got six interceptions this year to go yep. with his nine touchdowns. So, so he's put it out there. Like he's a rookie. He's going to strike. Like I said, he's played very well. Um, but I'm just kind of getting a look at his game log now. So, yeah, had one in each. And then, of course, the three against New Orleans where they got absolutely uh, destroyed by that Saints defense. That's really good. But since then, you know, one in each against the Bucks, Texans, Cowboys did not have any last week because it really was one of the most pathetic performances by a professional team. And in a long while, what the Jets put out there it was almost like a bye week. Mm -hmm. um, I'm being snarky, but it, it was ugly. I watched that game back and boy, that thing was that Ugh. was embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, pay attention, make sure you, uh, you, you heed Harry's call there and, uh, and get yourself the Popeyes. Cause I would be surprised, especially with the return of tranquil with how active Kaiser's been at diagnosing and just exploding on the ball, um, for interceptions. I, I look, he played exceptional. He was our player of the game. There really wasn't much to choose from, yeah. but you know, I think you talk about that pairing and to me, like that's, 
of the three linebackers. And, and I love the rotation and being able to, to keep those guys fresh when, when Kenneth is healthy. But I just I love the way Drew and Kaiser play together. I just feel like they complement each other perfectly. I think once Kenneth gets healthy, um, that's going to be interesting as well because he is so explosive and fast. And I think that's going to add something to the pass rush. And I feel like we need a little bit. I feel like Chargers need a little bit of juice in the pass rush. I mean, if you watch that Baltimore game back, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not embellishing when I say Joey was getting triple teamed, not double, triple teamed. It was crazy. Uh, I saw it. it somebody put it did. on. I, I, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports. They put in like the like every single play of him getting double and triple teamed. It was yeah. incredible. The so, Ravens had a game plan. <laughs> exactly. If that's, if that's going to be the Patriots as well, because their offensive line has been good. I think they thought it was going to be great. It's been good. It hasn't been, I think, exceptional. Uh, Mac Jones has been sacked 14 times. So, you know, let's, let's see if we can get, especially with Justin Jones back, you know, you're not going to have blockers there freeing up and, and doubling up on, on um, Linval and letting Tillery just go one-on-one. So let's see if they're going to do that. If that's going to be their approach, would love to see, you know, Chenna fact roll, you know, that's a Derwin get cut loose a little bit more on the pass rush and just kind of heat up Mac Jones, heat him up a little bit. You know, he's good at getting the ball out quick. Uh, like I said, I think he's played exceptional, especially for a rookie. I think he's been everything that that the Patriots thought he was going to be. There were a lot of detractors because there's not a lot of sizzle there. There's not a lot of twitch. He's just a really quarterback um, that that takes what you're. And that's the thing about quarterbacks is so many of them aren't willing to take what the defense is giving you. When you have talent and you have athleticism, you you want to make the big play, you know, and we're seeing Patrick Mahomes struggle with it right now. You know, Brandon Staley forced him to do it and he just didn't want it. He was turning down what was available, trying to make the spectacular. And that's how you find yourself in trouble. Mac Jones is the exact opposite. You want to give him five and six, you know, and 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 that ball's coming out under two seconds. That's fine. Three-step drop, bang, let my guy get. I think, I think the receivers for the Patriots lead in yards after catch. Uh, in the league right now. So I think of his, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, what has he got? 1,700. I think I read of his 1,779 yards, like 1,100 of them are yards after the catch in passing. Like that's how quickly he's getting rid of the ball. So I think to me, you know, as we talk about this matchup, got to heat him up. I think that's, you know, being sound, playing some press and, and getting guys back there to try to force this guy into some turnovers. Kind of makes me laugh a little bit. This whole draft evaluation process where, you know, 49ers fans were upset that Mac Jones may have been the pick over Trey Lance. And, you know, based on how there's teams yeah. constructed right now, uh, Mac Jones would be looking pretty good in, in a 49ers uniform, right? Look, I get it, man. I, I totally understand going through, you know, someone who covers it and has covered it for, I think this was my 11th year covering the draft. I totally see it. You know, it's like that. Look, look. There was, there's been a bit of a, you know, this could be a pendulum swing, right? When, when Justin Herbert was drafted, when Josh Allen was drafted, it was, it's not always about traits, you know, traits aren't, you know, you got to be careful with traits. It's not about the biggest arm. It's not about being six, six and 235. And then all of a sudden Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, you know, are arguably two of the best quarterbacks in the league. And everyone's like, what are we doing? Why weren't we thinking about traits? Look at Trey Lance. He's six foot four. He's 230. Mac Jones looks like a guy that's working at the local bar, you know, slinging drinks. You can't draft that guy. It's just so funny how, how it works and, and how the pendulum just constantly is swinging back and forth when it comes to quarterback evaluation. It's hilarious. All right. We're going to, we're going to dive into this matchup. Ben Bowling a little bit later, but now here's Evan Washburn. All right, Money, our first guest, he'll be on the sidelines at SoFi Stadium this Sunday for Chargers-Patriots. First Chargers game of the season, Evan Washburn. How are you, man? I'm doing well, guys. Excited for it. First time yet seeing the Chargers this year. First time in that uh, fancy new stadium. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. You know, Evan, you uh, we're, we were talking about it right before we started uh the, the pod here. It, we're surprised that you and I and CD have not been out yet. You were kind of our uh, our companions last year. You guys had a whole bunch of Charger games. You had a chance to see Justin Herbert a few times. It felt like I saw you at least. Um, yeah. Just kind of your your thoughts on on what Herbert did last year. And as you sit in the meetings and talk to these coaches and talk to other coaches around the league, the opponents, you know, kind of what the what the evaluation is on, on Herbert here through six games of his second season. Well, I think incredibly impressed and and you guys know that, but I mean, we had that week four game in Tampa and I feel like that was really when 
he burst on the scene as, wow, he has a bunch of potential. We knew that. That's why he was drafted where he was. But he looks like he's ready to go right now. And, and I mean, Eckler doesn't go down in that game. Maybe it's a little bit of a different story for the Chargers. And then he just continued that run throughout the year. And then early this season, statistically, but also just command appears to be the the striking point when it comes to Justin Herbert and what he's doing at that position. And then you have guys like Bill Belichick saying things like he said early in the week about where Herbert is. And look, Bill does do that with his opponents at times. I mean, he's always going to praise them, but it felt like it was an, an honest assessment of a really, really talented young quarterback. Evan, I saw you at training camp this year, and obviously it's a whole new operation with, with Brandon Staley at the controls. What did you take from training camp that maybe you're seeing play out through these first six, seven weeks with the Chargers? So I'd never met Brandon at all and didn't know much about him. And we spent probably 15 minutes talking uh, off camera. And in that short window of time, it was clear how dialed in to the details he is. And that seems to permeate through their approach to building this program and how they've started this year and the way that he goes about his business. And I think that was my biggest takeaway. But he also seems to have some humanity to him. There's an authenticity that I think is so important for coaches to have to be able to connect with what ends up being 23 to 35-year-olds. And mostly it's guys in their 20s. And he seems to have that. And there's a, you know, as you guys well know, and, and now some of the press conferences are becoming um, must watch just because of how open he is with while, you know, also doing the thing you need to do as a coach, keeping things close to the vest. So all that um, came through and in, in again, a short conversation there at training camp. And I, I can't wait to catch up with him again here in a few days. Would love to know, Evan. Um, we just, you know, we're, we're coming off the bye, but the, the prior game was was Baltimore and man, it was ugly. Uh, just got away from them from the jump. The Ravens absolutely dominated but but kind of going into that game is is chris and i were, were talking you know obviously it did not play out how we thought it was going to it seemed like their secondary has been real leaky all year um that you know they've given up 400 yard passing games to three different quarterbacks i was really surprised with the way it played out as someone who's seen so many afc teams like you know i don't expect you to rank them one through five but kind of the chargers are right there at four and two the bengals are five and two the ravens are four and two like how do you see the top of that is there a team that you feel has separated is there a group and, and what is that group of maybe the, the better teams in the afc matt I, I don't think anybody separated themselves and that that that's what makes this year so exciting i mean you can make the argument same thing on the nfc side but specific to your question i think buffalo um, if you had to pick a team that's the top of the AFC, I, I'd have them there. But it, right in that group or right uh, a tier below, if we want to play that game, would be Baltimore. What Cincy did now puts him in that conversation. And absolutely, L.A. is there. And uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, despite all they're going through, have gone through some moments in games where you're like, is this team really um, in that conversation has proven – to be based off of their record. And look, I've seen a lot of Kansas City the last four weeks. And last week was the first time where it was it was a, well, maybe something really is going on here, but I'm not ready to, to, uh, to give right. up on them because I've just seen too many times how they're able to utilize all that ability to make a run. Yeah, just diving a little bit deeper into the AFC West, Evan, like you said, you, you saw – Chiefs Titans that that wasn't the Chiefs team that we're accustomed to seeing over the last several years um the Raiders they've won five games do you sense that there could be a shift in power in the AFC West or or the Chiefs just playing like really sloppy right now and and things could be correctable although I say that knowing that the defense has just had its issues every single week yeah yeah, Chris, look, the math is going to start to work against you. So whether that means shift in power and who's the most talented team, I don't know. But we are in week eight. Look, it's 17 weeks. So that kind of does some things with with where we normally would make determinations and start to forecast playoff picture. But each week, Kansas City's putting themselves in a, a deeper hole to have to dig out of. And they just haven't shown the consistency on either side of the ball to be able to dig themselves out. Now, again, I'm not ready to put them to the side and say, this isn't their year, 
but specific to the AFC West, I think they're in a tough spot to try and regain the lead in that division and win that division. Because as you mentioned, there seems to be systemic problems on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, they've got a turnover bug they just can't kick. And frustration at some point is going to set in no matter how talented you are. And, and I should, Matt, just going back to your point, put Tennessee in that conversation yeah. too. Uh, I, I left them out just because we're still working through all these teams. But they they showed a lot, not just in their win over Kansas City Sunday, but to do it off of the Monday night game. I'm a huge Rabel fan. We talked about Staley and what he does with building that program or has done. Brable's got that team playing with an identity over the last couple of years that just puts them in every game. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that um, just because you, you get to sit with all these coaches. Sometimes it's head coaches, coordinators, depending on, you know, whom you request and, and the team makes available. But you, you know what the cliche is around the, the Patriots. Uh, take away what you do best. They're going to exploit a weakness in all of your meetings like with that staff, how would, cause it's been pretty consistent. Who's on that staff. Like how would you describe the way or your impressions and the conversations you've had with them, the way they approach a football game. Each week stands alone. And I don't buy that with every team, no matter how much a coach or player will say, Hey, it's a week to week league, but new England, it truly is. And we always joke, we'll walk out of a meeting and look, there's times where we do get a little bit more and times where we don't, but we don't necessarily know how they're going to approach a game. You know, car, you know, prime example would be this weekend. We have met with New England, but on paper, you would say, based off of the way they ran the ball against the Jets and L.A. struggled to stop the run this season and specifically against Baltimore, man, they're going to run the rock in this one. But I've done enough of these New England games to know that that's not the way to approach it because you could come out and they throw it 15 times to start the game. So that, that said... I think over the years, I truly believe that they go into each week and determine three or four things that they want to do. Yes, that could be taken away an opponent's strength or they see a vulnerability in an opponent that they want to exploit. And they're unique to that week and that opponent. And that puts a lot on the players. And I think that's what you're seeing now with somewhat of a new shift, not just a quarterback, but a lot of youth in certain spots where it can be a lot for for players to handle because again it's, it's almost like you're learning a new playbook e each week and what do you make of this 2021 patriots team just from afar money i were just having this conversation i think they're ascending the rookie quarterback's really good in, in mac jones um their three wins have come against the jets twice and the texans but they almost beat the cowboys they almost beat the bucks i think they lost by a point to the dolphins uh, what do you make of what the Patriots are right now and kind of where they're going as we get closer into uh, 2021? Yeah, my 30,000-foot view on it, Chris, is is they're building right now, and, and they're building towards what I think will be something uh, sustainable, uh, special, we'll see. I'm just not sure if it's building for this season or it's going to take a little bit more time to really be a threat to consistently week in and week out beat the top teams in the NFL. But as you mentioned, the fact that they've hung around with the, what appears to be the class of the league means that they're building in, in a right direction. And I think that the performance against the Jets, while you have to factor in the opponent, does go a long way in just, again, going back to the fact you got young guys, it, it just validates, okay, the work is is going to pay off at some point. And it paid off Sunday. And, and I think they can carry that at least into this week of prep for a much more challenging opponent in L.A. Sunday. Uh, Evan, as, as someone who who does his work on the field, I would love to know. And if you got to take a second to, to think about it, feel free. But mm -hmm. and when we walk around on the field, uh, when DJ and I will go down for like an hour, you know, after kind of our pregame duties are done, every now and then there's a player that you just you're standing next to and you're like, this is ridiculous, you know, and, and like Trent Brown was one of those guys. I mean, he is just a mountain of a man, uh, Montez Sweat with the Washington football team, you know, so much attention on Chase Young. But when you're standing next to Montez Sweat, you're like, this is incredible. Can you think of a couple players as someone who's down there that just stand out to you? I mean, obviously with the Chargers, I bring it up because of Derwin. He's just built so different than everyone that plays that position. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And I think what often strikes me is 
are the players probably in the, in the back end in, in safeties. I mean, going back to Seattle days, I mean, I remember standing next to Cam Chancellor and going up to him being like, I, I love watching you play. And then just to see him in person. And this was early on in my career. So, I mean, the guys at that position, you mentioned Derwin, uh, even some corners too. the speed in which they play, but the, the, command and, and sort of stature that they have. It's, it's wild too. I, I always say this, they'll come into a meeting room and like a hoodie and, and some jeans on or whatever, or a suit. Uh, and look, they look, you know, obviously well put together. They're athletic uh, young guys, but they don't look completely uh, imposing, but something happens when they put those pads on, maybe yeah. they put a little uh, lather on the old biceps and some of these uh, corners and safeties and obviously linebackers too. Those are the ones that strike me because they move so fast too. Look, the D linemen are you know big and the offensive linemen are big, and that that's obviously uh, part of the position. And, and you're impressed by their stature, but I'm always struck by uh, the corners and safeties and how fast they go at certain sizes. We'll segue from players to just stadiums. SoFi Stadium, a packed house on Sunday, Evan. That I guess that'll be your first time seeing that place full. Correct me. I don't know what game you did at SoFi last year. I've never been. We only had you guys on the road last year. So uh, this is uh, this is my maiden voyage. I'm, I'm excited. All right. Uh, not to just check a box, but also just to, to see it in person. Oh, you're going to love it, man. So, I mean, I don't know if you can rank kind of your favorite stadiums to, to, to do this job. I mean, it, there's probably so many iconic venues that you think of right away. I, I, my, my bet is that after you, after Sunday, SoFi is going to be up there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would appear so. I will say I am um, a sucker for sort of nostalgia and football history and tradition and places like green Bay. We don't go there often. Um, obviously NFC, CBS, uh, a crew right. often do those games, but I've done probably three, over the last few years, and it's unique in in a lot of ways, not just because of location, but for example, they just don't have many ads. I mean, they have one, I think, on the big screen, and then everything else is just green and yellow. And it it you just know the the history of that place. So I, I would say, whenever I'm there, I do take a moment to appreciate it and and do appreciate it. Uh, and then places like Pittsburgh, where I've been a bunch, is uh, also one of my favorites because the way it's structured, I like it when fans are right on top of you. Buffalo would be in this um, conversation as well. Uh, they got Renegade going <laughs> down the stretch <laughs> to get to get that place lathered up. Buffalo's wild in all of the obvious ways, as we've seen. Um, so again, I, I kind of I trend towards the older places because they're built to uh, kind of make the atmosphere almost feel electric. Um, but I will say, and, and look, it's in the division. It's a, it's a, it's a rival of, of you guys. But the Vegas spot for a new, for a new venue, they, they did a nice job of making sure. Because I found with some of the newer, the newer um, stadiums, especially the, the indoor, out, whatever and ends up being, they're just not as loud. I, they don't worry about acoustics. It's more about maybe, you know, suites and all those things. Right. The, the Vegas spot gets really loud. I, they, they did a nice job in making sure, one, that it checks all the boxes that they want for the fun. Um, but, man, it, it, it resonates in there. So, uh, uh, But, again, I tread towards the older spots. Just last thing for me real quick, Evan, uh, as you have now done a game in, in Vegas, it's different than any other city you go. Like, what did you end up doing on Saturday night before the game? Did you go out? <laughs> did you stay in? Like, where did you stay? I would love to know. Yeah, we stay at a hotel that's connected to one of the big casinos, but it's not, it's one of the few hotels because I've been to Vegas a bunch for work, um, mostly during basketball season, and it's unavoidable. Like, you want to go to the gym, you're walking through a casino. So, the place we stay doesn't have that, which kind of keeps you in check, which is nice. Uh, I like that. I'm not a big gambler, but I like to have fun, I like to go to good restaurants. Um, so, uh, I would say Saturday was just keeping it, um, keeping it low key, but Friday. Yeah. You can, I mean, the nice part is that you're, whether you're staying at a casino to do a game or you're connected to one, like we are you honestly take the elevator <laughs> to the casino level, you walk out, you walk through it. And then there's, as you guys well know, I mean, a bunch of five-star restaurants yeah. right there. So uh, I, I, I've 
I've enjoyed it. I mean, it's a long flight from Baltimore. Um, so selfishly, sometimes that's uh, yeah. part of the, the math for me. But when we're there, uh, it's cool. People are into it. They have a really good – I was worried that it was going to be – and you guys have fought some of this too, I know, kind of the the road team's yeah. fun trip. And look, there was some of that. We did the Bears game. There were a lot of Bears fans there. But the Raiders fans bring it. I mean, it's again, it's really mm-hmm. loud, and, and they seem to somehow either – grab control of that community or they get people coming from Oakland. Well, man, we can't wait to have you in LA on Sunday. I still can't believe that you guys didn't do a game at SoFi last year. So this will be fun for. Well, for I'm glad honestly that team. we're not going to, I mean, I'm sure it would have been cool last year to see it, but to see, I mean, I was just watching back the Browns game this morning and that place was a place. It was, was rocking. Awesome. It was loud. It was, I mean, just looked so <laughs> big. Yeah, it's big. Uh, it's, so I'm uh, it's glad awesome. we're seeing it for the first time, probably um, with uh, a full packed house. All right, buddy. Safe travels. Appreciate your time. And uh, we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, we'll see you in a few days. Be well. Awesome. Appreciate it, Evan. Thanks. All right, guys, before we get to Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, a quick note to let you know that Pepsi, they're handing out the ultimate Chargers fan experience only at 7-Eleven. Rush in, scan the code, enter for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Bolt up with Pepsi. No purchase necessary, must be 18 years or older. Sponsor PepsiCo for official rules. Visit boltupla.com slash 7-Eleven. All right, to get this week's opposing view, let's bring him in, Ben Volan, Boston Globe. Ben does great work covering the Pats. A big one in Los Angeles Sunday, Ben. Absolutely. This is a big game for the Patriots. Uh, In the AFC standings right now, it's never too early to look at the playoff race. There's a whole cluster of teams between five and two and three and four. No one's really running away with the conference right now. Uh, So this is a big game for the Patriots who are in that three and four cluster. Uh, There are three wins this year. Two are against the Jets and one against the Texans. So they haven't really beaten any quality opponents yet. So this is a big test for them. Can they go on the road? How will they fare against, I think, a very solid Chargers team that I think has always had good talent. And now you're really starting to see it uh, come together under Brandon Staley, uh, who when he was the uh, coordinator for the Rams last year, uh, dominated the Patriots to the tune of a 24-3 win for the Rams at SoFi. So uh, he's done well before. Obviously a new Patriots team with Mac Jones now a quarterback. But um, this is a big prove-it game. The Patriots really could use a win to get to 4-4 and and stay in the thick of the AFC race. And this is a big prove-it game for the Patriots to show who they are. Are they only a team that beats up on the dregs of the league, or are they a quality uh, team here in the AFC? Ben, have have expectations changed? Uh, and, of course, my dog pops into the, the, the screen here because that's just the way these things have to work. Have expectations changed uh, based on how Mac Jones and the offense has played? Uh, what's funny is the expectations were pretty high, I think, entering the season. Uh, I picked them to be 11 and six, you know, oh, wow. they, yeah. I mean, a lot of people right? you know, maybe we're just big Patriots, hawks, <laughs> but I think a lot of us expected them to bounce back. My thinking was they went seven and nine last year with not a very good roster. And now they've, uh, I think upgraded a lot of different areas on the roster and free agency spent a ton of money on both sides of the ball, got all new weapons, new tight ends, uh, Hunter Henry, as you guys know very well, John New Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, beefed up the defense, Matthew Judon as well. And with the up, you know, you would think uh, it's an upgrade at quarterback to Mac Jones as well. And the schedule, I don't think is quite as difficult. So I think a lot of people around here and, and even nationally were optimistic that this would be a 10 win team and a playoff contender. And they might get there. I mean, it's, they're, they're not out of it by any stretch, but it's been definitely a slower start for them. Uh, they started 0-4 at home before finally beating the Jets last week. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, a week one loss to the Dolphins, that's just looking worse and worse. Yeah. Uh, a bad loss to the Saints as well. So a really slow start. But the hallmark of Bill Belichick teams usually is that they build throughout the season. Again, that's why I think this is such an important game uh, against the Chargers coming up because it's it's a good chance for the Patriots to prove that last week against the Jets wasn't just beating up on a bad team, that the Patriots are starting to find their legs and are, are building into something good here. Mac has, has shown good improvement. I think he's clearly been the best of the rookie quarterback so far because I think he has the best surroundings, the best teammates, the best coaching. Um, so, you know, the hope is that the longer the season goes, Mac just feels more comfortable. The offense opens up more. 
we'll see. It's a big test this Sunday against the Chargers. Ben, let's keep it on Mac. Um, he seems to be ascending. Uh, you know, you, you go toe for toe with, with, with Tom Brady and, and Dak Prescott at home, albeit losses. Uh, he's looked good the last few weeks specifically. Uh, are Patriots fans and, you know, Patriots coaches, are, are they comfortable with where he is and, and kind of where he's going at this point? It definitely seems like it from the coaching staff. And the fans have been happy with Mac Jones as well. What's been funny about the Patriots so far is you went into the season thinking, okay, rookie quarterback, but they've got a veteran line, all these new veteran pieces around him. You just need the rookie not to mess it up. And, uh, you know, other players kind of lift him. Whereas throughout the first quarter of the season, it's been the guys around Mac Jones running backs. So they four fumbles from their running back so far, including two in the red zone and lots of penalties and the offensive line, was a revolving door for a while and the defense had some issues as well. And Mac Jones has been, I don't think he's been great, but he's been steady and he's shown some really good toughness. He pops right back up every time he gets hit. He bounces back from interceptions. Well uh, against the Cowboys, he threw a pick six, came right back on the next play and threw a 75 yard touchdown right at Trevon Diggs, the, the guy who had got him on the, on the previous play. So he's, I, you know, I think he's good for a rookie. Um, you know, he's not a Pro Bowl caliber player yet, but he's showing that he, he can develop into that. And maybe his, you know, he had a very quick development in training camp. He started off training camp, I think, significantly behind Cam Newton and picked it up really quickly. So maybe he can do that during the regular season. Maybe it's a little bit of a slow start. He finds his legs, but then once it clicks, this team can take off. So again, I keep coming back to this big test this Sunday against the Chargers. Ben, uh, I know the team doesn't want to look back. Uh, they're always looking forward, but would love uh, to do it here. And just thinking back to the last two times these teams played, uh, one in the divisional round of the playoffs when uh, at the coin toss, the Patriots won and elected to receive. And, and both DJ and I, as we were calling the game, looked at each other and went, uh-oh, they got something figured out here. <laughs> that never happens. And then the last last year in the 45 nothing game, clearly, and you know, the special teams had not been good going into that game, but clearly they found something and they were just coming hard after every punt. They felt like they could exploit that facet of the game and man, did they um, going into this game? Do you have a feel of, of what maybe they see or, or how this game might look if it is to go the Patriots way? Um, they have to play clean football. And it's funny, you mentioned the special teams last year. I forgot about all, all those special teams plays. And I, I didn't mention this year, the Patriots had two punts blocked in their first six games. And prior to this year, they hadn't had one blocked since 2015. So this has wow. not been the Patriots we're used to seeing. Um, and that just adds to, like I said, the sloppiness and just kind of giving the games away. Um, so for the Patriots – Hopefully I, this is the second straight game. They have their offensive line combination. You know, they got Trent Brown back from the Raiders and they've had him penciled in at right tackle. He lasted seven snaps before hurting his calf muscle in week one against Miami. We haven't seen him since. And so it's just kind of been a cascade effect. Then they had COVID hit two of their guys. So finally last week, they, you know, they got their five guys in the positions that they ideally want them to had a great game on offense. Mac Jones was barely touched. So they've got to play a clean game, you know, not many penalties. Uh, the offensive line has to hold up well. Mac Jones can't let the other team touch the football. He keeps talking about this, that the, the defense has been getting their hands on the football too much. He's been lucky. He's had a lot of dropped interceptions. I think he has six on the year, six interceptions, and he could have easily had double that. So he needs to, you know, be very careful with the football. The Patriots are not a team that can overcome too many mistakes. When they play perfectly and, and clean football, they – can definitely beat any team, but when they commit a couple turnovers, when they're not um, executing and finishing red zone drives with touchdowns, that's when they run into trouble. So I think the Chargers are an excellent team. They're coming off a bye. Brandon Staley is going to have them ready to go. Justin Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. I think their plan on offense is going to be much better than what they had last year. So the, the Patriots are definitely going to get everything that the Chargers can bring them, and it's going to be a, a difficult challenge for the Patriots, I think, to just play a clean game on Sunday. Man, I'm glad you mentioned the Rams-Patriots game, too, because that was like a four-day span, right, where, where the Chargers played the Pats on Sunday, then they played the Rams on Thursday night football. I realize it's two different teams, but what did Brandon Staley do defensively in that game that gave the Patriots so much trouble? If I recall, um, it was really about the Rams' speed on defense. And the Patriots, I think their roster last year, it was kind of a reset 
that year for them. They didn't spend any money in free agency. They didn't have a whole lot of talent and they definitely didn't have a whole lot of speed on offense, especially once Edelman went down. So I think they just stacked the line against Cam Newton. They dared him to throw deep. I don't think the Patriots passing game was executing too cleanly last year at that time. And the Rams, just their speed, they just overwhelmed the Patriots on offense and, and, the Patriots were a run-based offense then too. And I just, I don't think they could get anything going against a, a Rams defense that finished the year number one in many categories. So that was an excellent defense. I think the Chargers present many of the same problems. Uh, Joey Bosa, wherever he lines up is going to be a big problem. Um, Isaiah Wynn, the Patriots left tackle has not had a good season. He struggled with penalties, a few sacks. He had COVID that knocked him out a few weeks. Uh, if he goes up against the right tackle, he's going up against a guy uh, Michael Benwenu, who didn't start the season at that position, so it's kind of a backup there. So, the, I, you know, Joey Bosa, the, the Chargers, I think, have a chance to be very disruptive up front, and uh, it's going to be a big challenge for the Patriots' offensive line. How's our uh, old friend Hunter Henry been? I mean, he's got a touchdown in each of the last four. I mean, I, they, they certainly – look, we miss Hunter's uh, production and also his presence, just such a good dude. Uh, how has it been having him there in New England? Yeah, definitely seems like a good dude. Uh, he, not that we get too much face-to-face time with any of these guys anymore, but uh, he's been definitely a welcome member of the Patriots and someone who has come on after a slow start. Um, you mentioned four straight touch or a touchdown in four straight games, so he's become a very reliable target for Mac Jones. Not a high-volume receiver, but you know he's not catching ten for one twenty, but. Uh, big target in the red zone. Um, and, you know, they've been like the Patriots do. They've been using him to chip defensive ends and to stay in on blitz protection once in a while and definitely in run blocking. So they're using him as a true three down tight end. He's been more consistent than Johnny Smith. Through the first three games, it was looking pretty disappointing. I mean, they spent a lot of money on these yeah. two tight ends and weren't getting much production. Henry has come on. John New Smith has been a little slower. He made a couple big plays last week against the Jets, but then got hurt. So we're not quite sure where John New Smith is going to be this week yet. Um, but Hunter Henry has, has been a nice, uh, a nice signing for them. I think they probably had to overpay for him, probably not matching the, the salary, but he's been a very solid weapon for them. And I think only developing a better and better rapport with Mac Jones. Ben, when you look at this Chargers offense, led by Justin Herbert, and you, you see some of the weapons with Mike Williams, who's having an all-pro start to, to 2021, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler in the backfield. Based on what you've seen from this Patriots defense, what part of this Chargers offense do you think presents the biggest challenge? Their size. Those receivers are big, and the Patriots don't have Stephon Gilmore anymore. And, you know, they have this – a uh, third round, a third year player, Joe Williams, who uh, is another big corner. He's like six foot three, but he's not Stephon Gilmore. And he got benched a couple weeks ago after getting beaten on a couple big plays. Um, the Patriots, they just put their slot corner, uh, Jonathan Jones on IR. I don't know how much run he frankly would have gotten in a game like this against all these big receivers, but you know, JC Jackson, Jalen Mills, they they're solid cornerbacks. JC Jackson is is a very good corner, but they don't have size and they've been beaten on some jump balls this year. And so just the size and the physicality of the guys on the outside, I I, I just see Herbert testing that over and over, especially once they get down to the red zone. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough for the Patriots. I don't know if they match up with man or if they go to more zone concepts. We don't know what Devin McCourty, what his status is going to be. He left last week with an injury. He's like the quarterback of the defense, you know, playing free safety back there. So I, I just think the size and the physicality uh, of the Chargers uh, receivers and, of course, having a quarterback in Herbert who can put the ball anywhere he wants, I think that's going to be a big challenge for the Patriots. Uh, last thing for me, Ben, you mentioned it. Ben, uh, you mentioned uh, Stephon Gilmore. And when word started to leak out that, that he was going to be made available or maybe was waived, a lot of Charger fans got excited uh, about potentially adding him, uh, ends up going to Carolina. Just kind of what, what you thought about that transaction and, and how much you thought Stephon Gilmore had left. Was not a fan of it. Uh, very critical of the return that Belichick got on the trade. They were going to release him, and then it was a, they got a sixth-round pick in 2023. And then reports came out that they didn't really shop Gilmore that, that Carolina called and that's Gilmore's from there. And I think Belichick actually really respects Gilmore. I think he wanted to do him a solid by sending him to a place 
that, you know, obviously in the NFC doesn't have as much to do with the Patriots, but I think you wanted to do right by Gilmore. And so I think some other teams were scratching their head, like, Hey, we would have paid that, or we would have given you more for, yeah. for Stephon Gilmore, who I know he's coming off a torn quad, uh, but I think is still a very good player. Only two seasons removed from defensive player of the year was still playing at a pro bowl level last year. I'm surprised the Patriots traded it. I know they, they needed some cap space. So I think that's ultimately what it came down to, but my whole thing was, They've known for a while, for two years now, that his contract was an issue. So I would have traded him sooner and tried to get an actual return on him, or I would have kept him. They need him. Their depth in the secondary isn't that great, and I still think he's a good player. But for whatever reason, they couldn't come to an agreement on the contract, and I guess they decided that he just wouldn't play here because Gilmore is playing on his contract with the Panthers. He didn't get a new deal. So I I don't quite understand. Belichick doesn't explain these things to us, you know, why they they couldn't keep him or or what have you. But, you know, they traded him away and and got a a, a can of soup for him. So I I don't love the trade. And and now that they they lose Jonathan Jones to IR, you, you see how thin the secondary is right now. Very Northeast restaurant uh, reference there. Uh, a can of soup <laughs> as <laughs> fall and slash winter has arrived. <laughs> no question. Well, you know, Ben, that's one to watch. That's secondary versus the Chargers wide receivers. Uh, we appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man this week uh, up at owners meetings and covering the Pats and safe travels. We look forward to seeing you out here in L.A. on Sunday. Well, thank you. The Patriots, uh, we just got dumped with a nor'easter, like several inches of rain. So please just give me some sunshine in California. That's all we I got. You're, uh, you're going to be good. You're uh, you're going to be good. You'll enjoy it, man. You're going to get 70 and maybe a little breeze. It's going to be nice. Excellent. Thank you for that. All right, Ben. We'll see you, buddy. All right. Take care, guys. All right, buddy. Good stuff from New England, courtesy of Ben Bolin. Thanks to Evan Washburn for joining us as well. Your keys to the game. What do the Chargers need to do to get to five and two? Big time game in the AFC could have wild card implications. Yeah, look, I think uh, I'm just going to steal it from Ben. Clean. It's got to be a clean game. And to me, that's special teams. I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, that they went out and got Dustin Hopkins, that they went out and got Andre Roberts. And they recognized that, you know, these games are probably going to be tight. You know, like, like everybody, you know, Evan said and Ben said, and we've been talking about the, AFC is tight, man. It's it's slim margins that are going to separate teams that end up getting into the tournament and those that don't. And I think ultimately it's it's going to come down to a couple plays here and there, take care of the football, uh, especially on special teams, make those kicks. And I, I think against a, a Bill Belichick coach Patriots team, look, you said it, they're in those games uh, against the Cowboys, against the Patriots. I mean, they are right in the thick of it, and I would expect nothing different. So minimize mistakes capitalize on their mistakes. Like he said, you you got six interceptions from Mac Jones. There could be six more. You cannot drop those. Take advantage of your opportunities and and play clean. And like I said, I I think this is going to be a tight, tight contest. I'm so glad Ben mentioned the fact that uh, the Rams played the Patriots four days later and Brandon Staley was at the controls of that defense. So, you know, everyone points to last year. Well, the defense is different. The system is different. Um, the Rams have some pretty good personnel. They had some really good personnel last yeah. year too with, with uh, John Johnson back there to go with Ramsey and Donald. But you wonder if Staley, you know, has at least some recent familiarity with game planning against the Patriots and, and what that could look like Sunday. Yeah. Look, I, I think the other key to Chris is just health. The, the fact that they're yeah. going to get Justin Jones, like I said, you know, we said it at the top, I'll just bookend it with the same thing. Middle of that defense is back. You know, Nas Adderley's been to some degree unheralded. He had a little bit of a rough start, but he really started to come on, specifically in run fills um, and trying to help shore up that run defense. He was huge, in, you know, in a couple games in, in that facet. Drew Tranquil has been fantastic, particularly in run fills. His timing and his vision and his anticipation is just exceptional. So having those three guys in the middle of the football field, I think is going to go a long long way um, for, for this team, you know, not only here this, this Sunday against the Patriots, but when we hit the road against the Eagles and look, this is a, there's a nasty start to the season in terms of, of opponents. This is kind of a, a spot where you got to make some money. You know, you, you Ben said it, 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 you know, really hard to stomach that loss to the dolphins to start the season. If you're the Patriots and, you know, he's projecting them to go 11 and six, 10 and seven in that range. That's a tough one. Cannot afford, any of the losses at Baltimore, losses to the Cowboys, one of the top teams in the NFC. Okay, 
you know, especially, you know, the Cowboys as tight as it was a last second, 50, whatever, six yard field goal. But these are games you got to win. It's a home game against a rebuilding Patriots team. It's an away game against a struggling Philadelphia team. Just that two week snapshot. Got to got to have these games. Yeah, you don't want to look back at a game and say, man, if only we won this one, because because that was all of last year, right? Yes, it was. That was all of last year. You can stomach being four and two, losing to the Cowboys and Ravens, who are combined 10 and three. Um, uh, games like you said, it, mm-hmm. Sunday, games against Philly the following week, you got to get them, you got to yeah. stack these wins. So uh, I'm excited for it. it. It's It was nice to have a week off. Good to be back. Um, Money, that's going to do it for us. Big thanks to Ben. Big thanks to Evan. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening, wherever you listen. Um, uh, YouTube, full episodes on video as well as the Chargers app. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. For Money, I'm Chris. We'll see you next time.